What's up, what's up? Another Tuesday, another podcast. This is your favorite football podcast, the Football Academy. I'm your Sapoon with Braden and Will. And this isn't even me following up and like not having faith. We about to whoop that Elton John ass. We about to send him back to Crocodile Rock. But like, <laughs> fuck that shit. I need this money. I'm gonna back it up with a little bit. Like I, what? I, is in. So, would you believe it? Well, that's what happens next. He pokes the ball into the back of the net. We might have a shock on our hands here, Arlo. Sawyer came back off the bench last week and is getting fit again. Sawyer versus Robertson is a matchup that he can win. Like, he can beat Robertson and go at it. Now it's that was nicely done by Hughes. And Dini Ball has put his money to Sawyer. Start to make it two. He managed. You know what? Dini is a player that can cause Van Dyke trouble. Yeah. He plays like a proper physical non-league fucking striker. The tall back pass. There's the end. And I, I don't think would appreciate that. How you doing, Will? I hate everything. <laughs> if I wasn't wearing this goddamn Indians hat, I swear. You know what? I'm going to hit you with a story because I'm so pissed. My sister literally was just like, you know what you need to do? Stop swearing so much. You need to, like, try it on the podcast. You know, I want to listen to it and see if you can go without swearing. Keisha, I love you. Fuckity fuck, fuck, shit, damn. <laughs> Booger, piss, tits, ass, fuck. Damn it, I just... <laughs> I want to talk about Norwich. I want to talk about anything else. Can, did, my, I got an Ohio State Indians hat. I, this beer is cold. I got notes on some shit from work. I just start the podcast. Brayden, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm really good. <laughs> <laughs> and this might be the best start to our podcast ever. For sure. I hate it, but I can't stop laughing. It's just, I don't know what I expected. It's, I hate I, I hate Arlo White right now, and I've never said that. Like, I don't ever want to hear his voice again. It's so, uh, uh. It's uh, better than the talk sport call. That was what I, Jesus Christ. Maybe we should go find that. <laughs> uh, but, I said terrible things. I said terrible things. Oh, man. It it was quite the spectacular <laughs> weekend, I think, <sighs> in English Premier League football. Even for, I guess, Man City, they won another domestic trophy. So good on them. All that financial doping and you win that fucking Carabao Cup. <laughs> Moving on to a team that probably thought they should have been in that final against Manchester City. Leicester City. Away from home against Norwich. We had been talking about Norwich. We have been saying that maybe if there is an opportunity, it might happen. Braden, you went with Norwich in this game. And, hey, it finally paid off. Yeah, so I, on the balance of things, I was pretty lucky with that. Like, this is not a game that Norwich really deserved to get three points from. Um, I felt Leicester were the better team. They and have played better games where they didn't come out with three points. For so, sure, for sure. And, and so we talked about this a lot with Leicester, right? They're a team that they've outperformed their XG all year, and we were like, at some point, this is going to turn around. And, well, this you, was one you, of those points. I your feel. exact words, betting on betting on Norwich 
last Tuesday or last Thursday where maybe Leicester starts coming back down to earth. And that's kind of what's starting to happen with Leicester. And I'll have your thoughts on that. But, sir, <laughs> you were a believer in Norwich until you weren't and bet on Leicester in this game. Like a fucking idiot. Uh, hey, this is not the only worst bad decision you made, though. I hate, again, I still hate everything. Uh, I, Le- Lester is what I, <laughs> Lester's, I'm still flustered, y'all. Lester <laughs> is what I took from this game, is they're, perf- like, they, they looked flat. They looked bang on average. They're, I don't, like, they have strikers. Like, they have strikers and they can't fucking, like, finish. They couldn't finish a chance. Norwich took the couple chances they had. Lester looked bang on average. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And I don't know if average is going to get them to where we think they are supposed to be. I mean, I think it's crazy because they haven't won since, uh, I think, December 28th in the Premier League. Yeah. They have won one game or some crazy thing. Oh, actually, they have not won a Premier League game in 12 games or some some stupid shit like that. Because they were really up there above yeah. Man City at one point. And yeah. now they're starting to get closer and closer to Chelsea, United, and... The chasing pack. So if they're not cl- if they're not careful, they're going to be dragged back into that. So Ndidi's hurt, right? Yep. And I think it's kind of funny to look at these two teams because in Norwich for the longest time have had so many players missing, and finally something is starting to click for them. They look starting to look decent. Leicester for the last couple of weeks, and we have said this kind of like Bielsa's situation every single year. The team just runs out of gas. Brendan Rodgers' teams run out of gas. And maybe this year won't need a slip, you know, if they actually slip out of top four. I, I mean, to be fair, they are eight points ahead of uh, ahead of fifth place right now. So I think they have a little bit of room. But uh, you know, you're right. Like they they can be caught. Is it is it? That's my question. Is it a big enough of a cushion? Because from the performances I've seen from them recently, final day they play Man United at home. Oh, that could be a massive. That, that could be huge. Like this, I don't know. I just don't. I don't trust Lester right now. They go to Mighty Watford away too. So they go to Mighty Watford away. I mean, they they play Everton away, who are who are playing really well. Bournemouth away, who are probably going to be right in the mix of things at that time. This, I guess, Spurs away doesn't matter anymore. Uh, Sheffield United, Arsenal still to play, and of course Manchester United. So. It, they have a very tough schedule for being Leicester City because nobody's expecting them to win those games. They, they have a schedule that they can get caught on, right? So, like, there's enough of these teams that are chasing them that they, if they get the result against them, like, it's... They, they're going to need some of these I mean, other results to get their way. Their next game is Aston Villa. Yeah. And Villa is, gonna, is fighting for their lives. Yep. And, you know, like, and this is James Madison... Jack Grealish, if you're going to talk Euro 2020 for England, bro, the, if sexy, Jack Grealish sexy Leicester City there, that's his ticket to Euros. Sexy, sexy match. You know, like, like at least get a call up for the international break that's coming up. So, sure, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, so I think there's starting to be a lot on the line for these international players. But going back to Norwich, so all of a sudden, them winning, I'm going to pull the table up really quick. They are only six points from safety. And this is the thing with the league this year. Like, n- nobody from other than Liverpool until they weren't on the run, like, has really gone on the run. Uh, d- it, yes. Like, among, like you remove City from that equation and, yeah. like, Leicester when they were flying high. Nobody has done it. And Norwich, if they can get, like, seven 
wins together between now and the end of the season? It's a lot to ask. That's a lot to ask. But they have five all season. Can they get to ten? If they get to ten, they might survive. If they, Actually, get to, no. if they get to 10, yeah. I mean, you're sitting on 36 points, and at that point, I feel like you're probably safe. I feel like this team has performances that could get them that? I guess a lot... It'll, again, depend on who they are facing, because... Yeah. It, if they... Because they always play decent against bigger teams, but never end up winning. But they... I mean, looking at their fixtures, it's not looking very likely, because... They go away to Sheffield United. They go away to Arsenal. They go away to Chelsea. They go away to Man City. And they have away to the mighty Watford. So. That's, that's a rough run in. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I think a lot of these players are about to be available for real cheap. That I'm expecting someone like a Liverpool to go out there and snatch up a cheap player as they normally do. And make him to a star. Moving along to the Saturday games. The first game, Brighton against Crystal Palace. I mean, if you're talking about Premier League classics, this definitely wasn't one. Like, and to be honest, Crystal Palace won. Like, I, I don't have a lot to add to that. That is a factual statement. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> it is a statement of fact. Other than that, I don't know what else to say. Um... At what point do we like go? Wilfer Zaha is the guy who makes the team run, but Jordan Ayew is the guy who scores the goals. I think last week we had this discussion where, like, I think the whole Wilfred Zaha thing is a myth. Yeah, right it, now, so it's the rest. Like, of that. Th- th- there is enough on that team that if you just shut, put your entire resources on Wilfred Zaha, they're going to take advantage of it against their kind of opposition than they did in this game. And they they are also one of those teams that. If they get that one chance and they pounce on it, they will defend it with their absolute lives on the line. So, yeah. you know, going down 1-0 against a Crystal Palace kind of team, you've got to really have quality. Brighton, I think they have quality on set pieces. I don't think they have a lot of quality otherwise. And But I expect a bit more from them at home. So, kind of disappointed from Brighton, from Brighton's perspective. You know what Brighton can do well? Have a player get a yellow and not even be on the... Not even be on the pitch. Yeah. That, like, I ain't even got much more to say about that entire story. That's just kind of funny to me. Like, <laughs> I'm just over here chilling. <laughs> got to rile you up. Yeah, so if you look at the if you look at the XG of this game, Brighton had 1.87, uh, and you really think that they probably should have. They missed two big chances in that and probably should have scored a goal that would have uh, tied it up, but... This is just kind of what Brighton does. They they just seem to not. When it's really there, they don't take. They yeah, don't capitalize. It, it seems like I've said that Brighton have the underlying metrics to do better than they look than their results are for the entire season. And so, at some point, you have to stop outperforming and and actually perform. <laughs> and and I think that this is where you know it becomes a problem when a lot of people just look at the at those advanced stats like. Yes, even even with players, like, yes, the advanced stats might be great, but sometimes when you just look at them and it's not working, it's just not working. Like, at that point, you need to produce results, and I, I don't think they're going to be in danger, but I think they... They can, they can snatch a result occasionally. Like, they're only, what, a point away from, like, from safety, 
or like yeah. point into safety. Yeah. So like it's one of those things where I just believe in them enough that they won't get dragged into it. But do I really believe in them enough that they won't get dragged into it? So if you look at their goal differential, they should be higher on the table than where they are. Which again, kind of like what I've been saying, it's like it seems like they should be better than what they're actually doing for the results of matches. Yeah. But I mean, they're kind of like the Burnley without the results right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you makes know? sense. But I think Crystal Palace, good on them. They really needed a result. And they safety, got one. safety, safety, safety. Yeah, I mean, that's all they really care about at this point. So, yep. Like, they, I don't think they have European aspirations unless they... I don't know if they're in the FA Cup, but, like, if they win the FA Cup, sure. But other than that, don't see that happening. Moving along to the next team, big on needing Champions League football for next year in Frank Lampard's Chelsea after a 3-0 drubbing by Bayern Munich went away to Bournemouth. At one point, they were absolutely cruising at 1-0. Bournemouth being Bournemouth make it 2-1. And then Marcus Alonso, man, is taking care of all their striker worries right now and scoring them goals. So, Chelsea, get the draw. And then today, get the win. On a roll, baby. What's up? Why do you keep looking at me like this? Um, <laughs> I mean, hey, that win... The- I mean, yes, today was important as well. It's fine. Whatever. Ross Barkley, great goal. Love you. Fuck it. Um, Bournemouth, good result. Like, that was a solid performance in the beginning until they kind of... Not fitted it away. But I, like... it. This has been Chelsea, though. They create chances. Nobody's there to take them. Exactly. That's that's and, the entire... like. And I'll tell you one thing, though. like Those kinds of Chelsea teams are very dangerous the next year. Because it happened like Mourinho's first year, if you think about like when he came back. And then the next year, he went and got Diego Costa. Went and got Cesc, as Fabregas was already there. And all of a sudden, like everything just starts to click. And I, I, I'm not saying they're going to win the league or anything next year. But like if they do get a good striker... I think he could really change their fortunes. They're but, signing away. But I don't think they're one signing away. Oh, well, but yeah. Then. <laughs> I think the bigger thing for Chelsea is right now that they need to get Champions League football, and these are games they have to win to get some separation from Man United and the chasing pack. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Chelsea needed to win this game. They needed three points and didn't get it. Uh, it's I can understand Bournemouth being a little disappointed in the fact that they had a lead late and then let it slip, but... You can't be that. At the end of the day, before the match, they would have definitely taken a point for sure. So good for Bournemouth on that. Yeah, I mean Eddie Howe yep. saving his job, saving Bournemouth. He's not saving his job. I mean, the I, speech I know, came for, through. The speech Will. came through. The speech came through. Stop it. You, you can know, hear me, Eddie. You can hear me. You know who spe- <laughs> the speech didn't come through for? <laughs> this is set up to another match that's not Liverpool. It's fine. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say Dayan Lovren, but uh, moving along to the Agreed. next game. Uh, <laughs> Newcastle United against <laughs> Burnley kind of went exactly how we expected it to go. Yes. Like, we were, and I don't know why, like, some of us actually picked somebody to win this game. Because, like, wow, dude. Just wow. I watched that game. I was just like, why did I watch that game? I don't know why you watched that game. <laughs> I was sad. Damn, son. Like, <laughs> masochism thy name is Sapoon um pass <laughs> like the Burnley for Europe why not <laughs> uh and that, that is our bet 
I know. I know. Um, also, to speak on Newcastle, the performance that I expected for them to have came today in the FA Cup. So, I'm not too upset about it. They're playing a championship team. I mean, Burnley. Exactly. Thank you. Thank, thank you, Braden. No, but Burnley is not going to be a championship team next year. I, no, that's correct. That's just a cheap but, but, shot at Sean. Gra- gra- granted, <laughs> granted, WBA is probably going to be up here. So, uh, next year. Good old West Brom. But Miguel Amaron giving that tribute to uh, our very own oh. Joseph Martinez. So that Take was, my knees. Take my knees. That was touching to watch. But that was a lot more entertaining than anything that happened in this game. Yes. I think... Yeah. These, I think the fact that we're talking about a game that is not this game tells you a lot about yeah. this game. But yeah, I mean, not a lot to talk about. I think a deserving draw, quote-unquote, Yes, for both these teams. Moving along to the next game, an absolute David Moyes classic. West Ham United 3, <laughs> Liverpool under 23s, a.k.a. Southampton 1. It basically showed you, dude, like if they were so into that they could have beaten you guys at Anfield, they're like, we're going to beat their under 23s, baby. It's at our house. We're going to beat them. And that's what happened. No Danny Ings. So I was very happy. And I was just like, Southampton ain't going to make it to the European places either. That was just a really good performance from West Ham. Like, I, I have nothing else to say aside from that was just a, like, well done. Like, I, I, I want to, I'm already upset about everything else, so I can't really be too upset about this. That was just a really, like. That was a very good performance. That was just a really good yeah. performance. Like, that gives me a little bit of faith in in the hammers. Keep blowing the bubbles, boys. I was waiting for you to say David Moyes. <laughs> I have no faith in David Moyes ever. <laughs> Yeah. More faith in my own bets. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have that much to add. I thought West Ham were very clearly the better team in this game. I I really like what Mikel Antonio has done for a long time. Like, he's just one of these guys that you look at and it's like, maybe they're not quite good enough to take that next step up, but what they do at West Ham is really, really good. And I, it, he's just a difficult matchup. At time. It's speed, it's strength, it's I think a he, bit of technical ability. He's a, him and uh, Diop at the back. Yeah, I think yeah, they, yeah. they're both they're both players who. I think Diop still is young enough where he might take that next step. I think soon. so too. Yeah, but like I think a lot of these teams are figuring it out. Where like you know, the, if they get keep just getting these three and done kind of players who are gonna be there and just leave after a certain point because they're that good. Like there's no point to it. Whereas if you keep getting these guys on a regular, like an Antonio, like they got, um, I mean, Payet was three and done, but like Payet really helped them out when yeah. they needed to. Yeah. And Andy Carroll's out there. So like, you know, the, the, I mean, was out there. So those are situations that like, I think West Ham has really tried to capitalize on and are hoping like Lanzini, you know, those players that maybe, as you said, not taking the next step. Fringe players. Yeah, like fringe players are never going to make it that big. But like Mark Noble. Yeah. Etu, Braden. Etu. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just completely <laughs> broke up everything. That's, it, that's my it's, bad. It's all right. I don't get to use the Latin Shakespeare that much, so that's fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, but West Ham, though, credit to them. Very, very good performance in Southampton. Like, the problem is they're capable of good performances, but they're also capable of this. Yeah. And... 
they're a little bit more yo-yo than than my high praise of them has given them credit for. Like they are capable of turning in a dud every now and again. And when they turn into dud, it's a dud and a half like this was. Well, but so, that is not taking anything away from West Ham because I they played them off the park. So I think one thing with Southampton that should be mentioned is they were a team that started so bad this mm-hmm. season. We were talking about the manager getting sacked and all that. And I think the run that they've been on has kind of it's, – it's not exactly as good as they actually are. But where they are right now on the table is, I think, where they belong. Maybe you could argue they're a little bit better than that. But I think they can grow from this is sure. what I would think. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Like, if, if they had the exact same thing and just started the season a little bit better, they'd be a, in a lot better place. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think they have come a long way from getting – absolutely thrashed by Lester in the rain. God, I forgot about that. But you, you know what though, like yes they did get absolutely thrashed, but they went to King Power and won the game there. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. so I I think they have had this they their players were really hurt at one point um during the mid-season. I think a lot of players were on different teams, but for them they didn't have the quality to replace them and really got shit on by a couple of teams. I think Man City also beat them by a bit and they're finally getting back to like where you kind of expected them to but everyone around them is also not performing at a very high level yeah so that's why they are where they are because i think in normal year they would be 15th 14th with where they are but like right now they are within the conversation of being in europe like in terms of how many points they have to make up so it's one of those things where i think a different year it could be a different story for them with the number of points but this year they are where they are, and you know, at the end of the day, the table never lies. So, it's true. I have nothing to add. <laughs> you know, one thing that got added this weekend. What's that spoon? There was a zero on the number of losses next to Liverpool for this Premier League season. And Vicarage Road was the place that saw that run. That amazing run under Jurgen Klopp come to an end at the hands of Saar and Watford's very own Troy Deeney. What a game. And I am so proud. I bet $150 on Watford. Come on, boys. So, hate bets aside. Um, <laughs> it wasn't a hate bet, though. I, I told was you, Dini. Really? But said, was Dini, it though? really? I said, Dini, you said, sir. We predicted how this was going to go. Of course, but, was but it? I put 50. But was I put it, though? I, I miscalculated. But was it, though? I, I told you I miscalculated. That's why I put 150. Okay. Fair but enough. was it, right. though? <laughs> I mean, I have bet. I mean, I wouldn't bet on Liverpool, but, but you know, the odds were just good for Watford. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I'll... I'm not going to rub this in too much, Will, because I feel like we did a good enough job at that at the beginning of oh, this. Oh, oh, you did. Um, so, <laughs> I before we talk about the game specifically, I'd like to talk about the ramifications. So, I feel like this game should matter a lot more to Arsenal fans than Liverpool fans. Because Liverpool's about to go win the league. And their goal was never to go undefeated. So, I think for Arsenal, it's, all, it's this like relief that we have that... Our little like 
precious thing has been protected. Did you have a cigar, you bastard? Did you have a fucking I, cigar? I did not. Like, it, <laughs> I, so, I was not even ready for it. So, <laughs> uh, uh, can I say something to that point? Sure. I think, yes, it wasn't some, like probably maybe not the team what they wanted. But you know when they once they beat Man United at Anfield and every win and once they salvaged that win against uh, West Ham even more after that like everyone came out and they were like hey like maybe this is their year to go undefeated and everybody started pointing like hey Goodison away maybe something happens but I think when you saw the loss for Liverpool it wasn't just Arsenal fans I think it was throughout the league there were fans across teams where it just mattered because it sucks to see a team one team dominate like that of course yeah yeah. and i think that's why it was such a relief for everybody and maybe it was more for arsenal fans but i think it meant just maybe just a little bit less but like around the same level because it was just like hey it sucks when you see a team going a 44 game unbeaten run in the league so and i think that's why it i i think it's kind of an understatement when you say it like it saved Arsenal fans' precious little golden trophy that y'all have. Well, so I, I would say maybe as a counterpoint to that, I think maybe you and I have a different perspective being Arsenal and Manchester United fans because I think if anyone was right below Arsenal fans in relief, it would be you guys, right? Okay. So I, I think that... More relief about today, but yes, yeah, yeah. I understand. So, so like if you look at, um, say, like a... Chelsea or so, someone who's maybe not as big of direct rivals with Liverpool, they probably are like, oh yeah, we're glad they lost and didn't go undefeated. I mean, but you like, know who probably mattered to a lot more than both our teams? Who's that? Fucking Everton. Because it, really it, it, it was really yeah. lining up that if they lost at home to Liverpool, Liverpool were about to win there. So yeah. I think they like and the, it had huge ramifications, and I think also for Liverpool specifically, like it was a big wake up call, like. They they had that against Atletico, but Atletico is a good team, and this was just like you cannot just sleep, walk into every single game in the Premier League. And yes, they're not going to lose the league, but it's not a good look when you lose a game like that, especially at Watford. Sure, but it's one game. Like they lost one game this season. I I'm not that. They lost I, one game last season. Sure, I. I, I don't know. Like, I don't think this has much bigger ramifications than this specific game. I, I think I, I will say that I think that Liverpool last year were a dominant team that just happened to also be competing against another dominant team. And this year, I think Liverpool are a little less. Uh, this sounds ridiculous to say, given they've only lost one game this year and have won so many. I think they're a little less at that level. And I think this because is I think a, nobody else is there at that level. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that this is a result that you could kind of see maybe happening at some point. But you just couldn't ever predict when it would happen. Yeah, we did, man. <laughs> Go ahead, Will. Hey, everybody. So, I'm just going to cop to this right now. We look like shit. That whole match. Nothing in that performance looked like the team I had seen up to this point. There were chances created. I know the same kind of hunger that we've seen all season. I didn't really see it. I think I, y'all were shell-shocked. Yes. Yes. We got shell-shocked, and then it just we couldn't come back from it. Um, 
I have already made my thoughts about Dejan Lover known all over the internet. <laughs> um, if I see you in the street, it's fisticuffs. We're throwing down. If you ever say you're the best center back in the world because you were in the World Cup final, bruh, I will, I will find you and I will give you a Glasgow kiss. It's a headbutt for those of you who don't know. Um, honestly, in the moment, my wife can attest I was so mad that I did not know if I wanted to do anything. Uh, very harrowing moments before I went to go see my mom. <laughs> you have to calm down. Your mom's not going to like it. Got into my mom. My mom's like, ah, shit. When I told her Liverpool lost. Uh, my favorite, my mom's favorite sentence right now. Ah, shit. Uh, in retrospect, I think I'm kind of okay with it. Because honestly, now that we've lost, let's just win the title and just we can we did not show it today and i don't know what the fuck happened today aside from like just a good performance from everton and ross barkley trying to go to the euros again Chelsea. i said ross barkley you also said, said everton. everton i'm real worked up all blue is the same <laughs> to me right now everton chelsea lester fucking cardiff like <laughs> they're all the same right now Throwback. i mean so so the only reason i i think and I don't think it'll have any ramifications for this season um, as far as the league is concerned for Liverpool. But dude, I have, I until this this Watford game for a very long time, I had not seen a Liverpool team just shell-shocked. Sure. Like, yep. And they had done, like, the last time I remember a champion team looking like that was when um, Liverpool did that to Man City, where they got absolutely obliterated in that Champions League game in the first 20 minutes and they were just like, uh, we don't know what hit us. And I'm not saying that's going to happen to you guys more or anything like that. But there's a blueprint there that people can use to beat you. The, and the, and the uh, only reason I say that is because I'm not saying what Watford did. Everything was amazing and like they had this game plan and worked. Your weakness has been that ball played from the back, like through the wing, yeah. behind yeah. the back. And I think if more and more teams try to attack you like that, It'll be very interesting to see what you guys do over the summer to adapt to that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's what Arsenal tried to do in their game earlier this year and had two pretty decent chances that they just missed. And if those two go in and Arsenal are up 2-0 in that game, like, that's maybe a very... We're maybe talking about a very different season on I mean, like, many the, yeah, different the, levels. The, the United uh, game yeah. against them at Old Trafford, same thing. Yeah, yeah. That yep. ball by Dan James. So, it, it's been a worry for them. And if you just keep constantly playing and have a fast enough guy up top... I don't. I don't even think it's a worry. I think it's that. I, I think it's, 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 a their, it's the their weakness in the system. Yeah. And so, if you have a team that's good enough to exploit that weakness, you get to do it. That's just how this works. Like you can't be great against everything. Now, to piggyback off that and to get the heat off myself, because oh my god, uh, Watford, decent. That's a good. That's a great performance. And that's something to hang yeah, your yeah. hat on. Like yeah. that's a that's a galvanizing thing for that we, team. We've talked a lot about Watford or a lot about Liverpool when a team that was backed up against relegation just went out and dominated the and that, would be champions. And we have not talked about that at all. <laughs> I mean, that's because I'm sitting here and I'm Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you've made me turn red and I'm a black guy. That's a hard thing to do. But I think there's a lot of credit to be served to Watford in this because like that that's a galvanizing fucking performance. You can build on that and you can go forward from that. 
I kind of expect these guys, this might be the team to go on a run. I wish them no well from here on out. I hope y'all get relegated. And Billy Joel's better than Elton John. That's right. I said it. I've, that's right. I'm standing by my statement. Billy Joel, better than Elton John. You heard it here first. Crocodile Rock ain't got nothing on Down East or Alexa. That's the only place you're ever going to hear it. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, you've, you've been wrong before, and you're wrong now. It's okay. Is, is Moving Out not one of the best songs ever? Come on now. Doesn't change. Uptown girl? Stop In her it. uptown Stop world? Stop it. Christy Brinkley? She's so fine even now? Come on it's, now. It's a, a fair point. It, it was it, his it's wife. It's not the music. It's the video. The song was great too. When you hear the song, you think about her and how fine she was. Hey. I mean, I was going to say something, but <laughs> I cannot say it because my political career would be damaged after that. <laughs> <laughs> no votes in New York if you say anything bad about Billy Joe. <laughs> Moving along to <laughs> thank you <laughs> the good side of Liverpool, Everton Football Club hosting Manchester United Football Club, an absolute horror show from both the goalkeepers to concede the goals. <laughs> but then they also redeem like this is my problem. Nobody fucking talks about it, like how they redeem themselves. Like if it yes we we'll, we can get into the VAR goal in in a second, but. Jordan Pickford, brilliant double save from Bruno and Igalo. And then on the other side, if it isn't for a brilliant save from De Gea in the 90th minute against Sigurdsson, like, the game's done. Yeah. And, every yeah. like, everybody saw that run coming. Goodison saw that run coming, and everyone's ready to cheer. And all you'll hear about is how De Gea has made seven mistakes since the beginning of last season. They won't take this season because Kepa's made a lot more. Than him this season, <laughs> or if you and a also, world I, record fee, yeah, for and Kepa. By so the way, much money. for the worst but, keeper in the Premier and, League, and so much money. I, I'll tell you another interesting fact. Everyone's on about fucking De Gea with the seven mistakes since the beginning of last season. You know who else has seven mistakes since the beginning of last season? Jordan fucking Pickford. No, no one's gonna talk about him because he's the England number one. Number yeah, I mean, one. Works, like, yeah, but again, it's one of those things where. They deserve credit, though, the way they turned it around. Well, De Gea, like had De Gea definitely deserved credit for that last Yeah, save. yeah, of course. Yeah. De Gea had better saves, like, right after that, too. He had yeah. a couple, like... So, and I think it's it's part of that goalkeeper... Being a goalkeeper, it's one of those things where everybody remembers your mistake, but nobody remembers his, like, the the what he had to do. And I think this is one of the very underrated things about being a goalkeeper at the top level. And I think this would be something for Dean Henderson... To be questioned about, like if he makes that same mistake at the age of twenty-one, at Goodison, and it's one nil Everton, does he have the calmness to be like, "Hey, next next ball comes in, I'm gonna do it." So I think goalkeepers, it's very, and Lewis Carrier's biggest example in the Champions League final, one mistake, second mistake, it it's a downward spiral. Iker Casillas, same thing. So, and yeah. I think the- these two, both the keepers, deserve credit for keeping it a one-one. To be very honest with you, because both the teams. United the first half after conceding the goal and Everton in the second half played some brilliant football. And Richarlison was very good. But boy, Bruno is a player though. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. we got him for less than 50 million, but like, wow. Man looks the truth. That's the, like, my biggest takeaway from this entire match is Bruno might be that guy going forward for United. Uh, but I do, I did enjoy the fact that these guys canceled each other out i feel like that was the that was the deserved result maybe not with the de gea mistake 
and maybe not it didn't happen the way I expected it to but uh honestly full more more marks to Manchester United because I feel like De Gea meant more after that first goal than Pickford did and that's because I have a hate boner for Pickford now I kind of want Dean Henderson to be number one myself so <laughs> I love him. like we both just overlook Nick Pope all the time like Burnley being keeping clean sheets I stand by my statement <laughs> yeah I mean you you make a really good point because to add to your list of keepers who have fell by the wayside like Almunia and Fabianski both like really good shot stoppers at Arsenal like they're really good at it but whenever they would make that one mistake things just kind of unravel from that and they would just they would get into a funk and at that point the errors would just keep coming and so that mental toughness is a real thing uh for keepers and top keepers absolutely have to have because you know the reality is all keepers make mistakes that's just it's human nature yeah you go through you go through periods of good form bad form and sometimes you just get not necessarily unlucky but just you judge something slightly wrong or it takes a bounce you don't expect and I mean, I think a lot of the times what happens is, like, if you make... It depends on the time you made the mistake. Yes. Like, if you're winning for nothing and you made a small, stupid mistake, it was like, okay, whatever. Right. But, like, it's nil-nil, like, early on in the game. Or, like, say you're winning 1-0 and, like, you made a mistake. Like, people remember that. Rob and Green. Be- I mean... <laughs> <laughs> That's the best example of his. <laughs> Man, un- until then, I was just like, who the fuck does US even have? <laughs> I was not in America at that time, so I, I really didn't know American players other than Tim Howard. Clint, Di- Clint Dempsey, Brian McBride, full America, bro. You think a kid in India would care about that? For a player who like went to Fulham, right? Yeah, yeah. So. You're right, you're right. But you're right. bringing it back, though, um, <laughs> another controversial moment uh, with Manchester United and VAR in the last couple of weeks. The disallowed goal at the very end. Will, should it have been disallowed? Just yes or no, real quick. First, yeah. yeah. Brayden, yes or no? You're saying it should be have been disallowed? <coughs> no, it should have been disallowed. <coughs> the opposite of what I just said. Sorry, I'm choking on my own like air. Brayden, go. <coughs> it should have been an allowed goal. Just to be very <laughs> clear on it. I mean, so I will say this, and you guys can. Tell me if I'm wrong. Um, I have seen, without VAR, I have seen that goal given. And I've seen that goal not given. Yeah, that's fair. And yeah. I think with VAR, it ultimately ended up with whoever the fuck was the VAR uh, assistant at it, the time. It was a judgment call. And it was a judgment call that that person made. And and I think this is the problem, right? When there's so much subjectivity to the rule. And, hey, I feel bad for Everton. But... I will take the point. Like, I remember what it was losing 4-0 there last year. So, I'll ta- happily take the point. And you know what? Like, other teams have gotten fucking VAR calls more egregious than that. So, like, fuck out of here. But do you feel bad? I mean, I, if it wasn't against my team, I would, yes. <laughs> so, like, okay, yeah. I, I don't buy, like, this idea that other teams have gotten worse calls for them. So, like, this isn't that bad. Just, I don't, you're right. It's a judgment call, but it's a bad judgment call. Yeah, but we have seen this happen. Of course. And I think that the issue should be the incompetence of the referees and the assistants. 
instead of just like blaming the whole thing on VAR. Like well, the- uh, so hold on before we go to in on the referees here. What about the vagueness of the offside law? And what constitutes... Yeah, they, there like, ain't no vagueness when they're checking that shit. I know, like I yeah, when it comes down to millimeters and yeah. uh, pinky toes and shit like that. Like. It's just... It, it's one of those you just look at and it's... I, I don't understand how the ref said he was in the... Because the keeper's not getting to it. He's not he, really he's wrong affecting footed. it. Yeah, like it's just... It's not... I, I think the, it, the, the only thing was... the And the only argument I think that anybody can make, and I'm not... I'm not saying I, this would be my argument. Is like if he doesn't move his legs away, that ball does not go in. So like if he's there and does not do anything and just sits there, the ball hits his foot, and at that point he will be offside. So that, so that in a way we're making the same face, right? <laughs> like in a way, moving moving your leg away is for a lot of people interfering, and that is the only thing I heard. But at the same time, like as as a Man United fan watching that, once I saw the goal happen, I was like, that's a goal. That's not going right, to get right. called yeah, off yeah, yeah. for yeah. VAR. Yeah. And when it did, I just started laughing. I was like, wow. Of course, yeah, yeah. I mean, you got you guys got away with one, yeah. and you should be fine with that. Like, so, It's not your responsibility. And I'm to- sure like, it'll happen at probably at the Derby coming up this weekend where like, we'll get a fucking call against us. But, so, but to go back to the interpretation, like, it, it's shocking to me that we would rule that Moving your legs out of the path of the ball is interfering with it in a way that, like, just being there is not. Like, you're literally moving it so that you're not interfering with it. <laughs> you're, it's being called interference for not interference for not interfering. It doesn't like, yeah. But like you said, you weren't making that argument, so I, I get that. Like, that. That is what I saw. I I thought that was a pretty stupid argument. I'm just like, just take your point. Yeah, fair. Go yeah, home. yeah. Don't, like, yeah. you know, you got away from Goodison with a point. Just. Take it. Like very United fans say, yeah, I was wrong. We'll take our yeah. point and go home. Yeah. <laughs> like, Don't it, do not give us. We fuck. we, this we didn't make that mistake. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like go take it up with the fucking VAR of and, <laughs> and FA, so they can figure that shit out. Moving along to the last game of the weekend, an absolute banger at Tottenham Stadium. Tottenham Hotspurs two. Wolverhampton Wonders three. Wolves are really making a case to be in the Champions League next year. Wolves, that last goal was so. They played some brilliant football. It's, it, I would say it's just really good football. Like, the, I, I think we've all been sold on Wolves all season, but this, like, from here on out, like, it's appointment viewing with them because that was some really, really good football. Tottenham can find a way forward. They just need to be able to defend. They can still find goals somehow. I don't know how. But they need to be able to shore it up at the back. And they're not going to be able to. That's how I feel. They're going to finish about I think 10th they need though. to score goals more than shoring it up at the back, to be honest. Mm, I, I mostly agree with that. But I, I still think they have, like... Like, this game, no. Like th- Yeah, th- this game, sure. You can look at Wolves and be like, they broke you down. But, like, bro... I don't think past, like, the top seven... Like the regular top six and wolves, anybody has a midfield like the way wolves does. Yeah, Mutanio, Neves, and like Jota out there. So like, they're just a different breed, and I don't think anybody else can beat Spurs. Spurs' problem is going to be scoring goals yeah. without the strikers. Yeah. So and I think if he had his strikers, he might have played a very different game than what he ended up doing. Because like, I think Mourinho is just in a state, and honestly, like, I 
feel bad for him at Spurs because it's like it's not like Daniel Levy's gonna fucking do anything. Oh, so is he? So chosen, they, is they chosen to like, give money? You're waiting for Harry Kane to come back. You're waiting for and Human Song's done for the season. So like, unless they're just with, and I think for Mourinho, it's like we'll stay within reach, like three to six points, and hope some miracle happens in the last couple of weeks of the season. So I just don't see that fair out well. And if they miss out on Champions League, like financially for them with a the stadium to pay for, that is huge. Like, if you thought Maurizio Pochettino did not get money, like, Mourinho might have to fucking sell players and not be able to buy a player. 15 regular season Jaguars games. <laughs> yeah. So, I'd like to make two points about this game. Um, one, going back to going back to Wolves is, man, they, Adama Traore... When Jesus. he just like shrugs off that tackle from Tanganga, who's like, "I'm gonna take him out," like, uh, "Oh, I'm gonna kill this." Guy. Like, we are ending this. We are ending this attack. We're gonna set down. We're gonna settle down for the free kick. And Traore just like, it's like an Eric Dickerson just sh- shrugging him off. It, like it's. I wasn't sure that I was watching soccer. I keep making the rugby joke, but like, I watched rugby sevens this weekend. He looks like all those guys and yeah. shrugging that like he. He is a scary man. <laughs> he yeah. is a terrifying man. I, he he really really impressed me on that because that's just what he does. Is he makes these runs and he just he does something to take a guy on and create for that team. And it's a really key. Can, can I say something real stupid and like American of me? It's that LeBron James thing where it's like. I don't know how to match your size and your speed. Oh God, I'm gonna die! Right, right. Like yeah, that's yeah. the it's the same yeah. feeling. It's like, oh, you're a very large man who is very fast. I'm just gonna get out of your way because I want to remember my name in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> so the the second point I'd like to make is looking at Spurs right now. I think they really need Deli Alley to get out of the funk that he's in. If you watch that game, and it was it was even when. Uh, Ali missed chances that were difficult. It's not like he missed sitters. So frustrated. But it was every single time that he just, even if it was a good chance and it just missed, uh, he just seemed to sulk. And it's like, it's it's not a, it's not that he's not getting into positions. It's not that he's hiding. It's just, you can tell that he just doesn't have any confidence. It's It seems a lot like what's going on with Lacazette at Arsenal yeah. right now as well. Like, just, it's completely devoid of confidence and just for some reason can't find it. And if Tottenham are going to do anything the rest of the season, it's gonna be that best. needs to change. I was going to say, I'm so glad you pointed it out because I. it's the same thing. It's just, he looked like he was done with the world. And he was in spaces that are Arsenal. Sorry, that Tottenham need him to be in to be able to. He's he's got to be he's got to be the linchpin of the team right now and be the guy who's getting them goals because Aurier is not going to be always. He's not well. He is always going to be forward, but he's not always <laughs> going to be able to do that for you. Like you kind of got to rely on the guy who. You kind of have to rely on the guy whose face is on the posters if you're going to be that guy, which he is. I've been there and motherfuckers face everywhere. Like you got to show up when it counts. And he, I think he will. He's just got to. He's got to get lucky once and get it. Blouse the old onion bag, and he'll be fine. Yeah, I think so. So, I just saw this on the Twitterverse. Matt Law dropped an article, who's normally very uh, dependable when it comes down to London clubs. Harry Kane um, 
has basically told the club that if they don't get Champions League, he is going to leave. And Mourinho and Daniel Levy are trying to convince him to stay. And I genuinely think this is a ploy from Tottenham to test the waters, to see if there is going to be interest. But I genuinely don't think... Because the, the article said he's valued at 150 million. <laughs> okay. Like, that that was the time when I was like, hey, uh, I don't know about the... I just almost used a racial epithet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, until, until I That's saw, all I can say um, about that. <laughs> Ninja, please. <laughs> United should offer a Pogba-Kane swap deal. To be like, yo, go play with your favorite ex-girlfriend, Mourinho. Paul Pogba. Your favorite ex I mean, Pogba would never agree to that, so... That's a well, CW I mean, show. I, I think this is a very intriguing summer coming up for Spurs, much like yeah. a lot of the other teams. And I think for Arsenal, they have money to spend. Um, United will have some money to spend. Um, I think Spurs are going to be in this. And I think Chelsea obviously will have money to spend after not spending last summer. Um, Spurs are going to be in this situation without Champions League football. I think they will have to go back to their basics of what they did when Pochettino first came, which was take the easy route to build the team, but it's not going to be easy given on the financial constraints that team is going to have to face. Well, and Jose hasn't, well, I shouldn't say he's not that guy, but he hasn't been that guy for a while. Like, he's been the, we finish off teams and we win things, not, yeah, I'm here to build a team and find these guys find the right pieces and and build them up that's not who he's been for a while what do you mean i'm not winning right now this is not how i play football <laughs> right. i mean if if i'm jose Mourinho and i think i would convince that like if i can just convince everybody to stay a year i think everybody stays fit next year this is a very different tottenham team we we're talking about because he can go find a 30 million eric by the way he did for us and lindelof that he can mold into being good defenders and, it, like, defense has not been the problem for him to go identify a defender. I think, and I think Spurs, if they give him a budget and he figures something out, it could be dangerous. It, not dangerous as in winning the league or anything, but, like, dangerous as in back into that top four conversation, which right now they don't seem to be in given their injuries. Yeah. I, and I think, and I, th- I think it's kind of like fair. a change in momentum for, like, Wolves and Spurs. Like, what Spurs were for the last couple of years is what I think Wolves are going to become right They're now. starting to yeah, build that so. foundation for it, yeah. And it, it all comes down to, honestly, the fucking traditional powers just being shit. Manchester United being shit. Arsenal being shit. Chelsea being shit. Like, when that... that. So, I'm going to take a different view of this. I, I think it's about teams like Wolves and Sheffield being good. More so than those teams being bad. So, like, and I'll, I'll reference one thing from a while ago. So, if you're a subscriber of The Athletic, there was a fascinating article early in the year on Wolves, specifically around their recovery programs. So it's a whole club buy-in thing that they have from ownership to manager to down to like data, data analytics nerds and the players and all of that. And it is, they test their recovery. Everything is built around recover after games so that they're ready for this part of the season and they're ready for the last 15 minutes of matches. And if you go back and watch that Spurs-Wolves game, that's exactly what happened. Wolves were, Wolves, you know, kind of hung around for a while, and then the last so, 30 minutes, they just 
dominated Spurs. So again, I I think I'll go because of that point, and I think um, if you're really a Man United fan, Stephen Housen's uh, fan channel did a very good um, interview with David Ornstein from the Athletic, where he talked about this how United has been really far behind, mm-hmm. and so has been like Arsenal's taken. They were into data analytics, but now they're taking like kind of a mixed approach and whatnot. Chelsea have just a great scouting department, so they don't have as much data analytics in there. What I mean by big teams being shit, at the end of the day, man, we we were big teams because we're on top of our game. And right now, being on top of your game is knowing how to make sure your players recover better, knowing how to use data analytics and how to use your scouting programs. And teams like United, teams like Arsenal, we haven't done that very well. And that is why we have given an opportunity for these teams to get good enough and meet us in our decline yeah, I, and that's what I think. They're not at the level of what United used to be. They're not at the level of what uh, even Arsenal used to be. But I think both these clubs are have had a decline over the last couple of years. And Wolves, Sheffield United, and I think next year if Leeds comes up, you'll see this with Leeds as well, where they have just had this system in place for a while. And they're coming up playing a system while all the bigger clubs have managers who are trying to figure out their system. Like Oleg and Solskjaer at the end of the day is out there figuring out a system. Lampard, second year as a head coach, anywhere. Like, you know, yeah. so I think th- that's, that's what it started on Boxing Day. Yeah, like as a manager, you've never yeah. managed anywhere before. So yeah. that's what I mean by like being shit, where I think they're just not at the same level uh, where you expect when you hear the name Chelsea or you hear the name Man United. So I, I, I see your point. I think it's less about that those clubs have declined and more that the rest of the league has caught up and and that Arsenal United those teams have stagnated. So yeah, it's a, it's a relative de- it you could call that decline based on a relative basis but I, I think the smaller clubs deserve a little bit more credit for being better challengers to teams that are not dominant. They like found Liverpool. a way around the traditional way of building a club to build based on statistics and like things behind the scenes more than other clubs have and that's kind of that's the trend in sports built from behind to put forward and now football's finally catching up with that so. only if Jurgen Klopp decided to do that instead of building from up to top I uh, will tell you about the training ground right now son I'm in that mood <laughs> I mean y- y'all were the third team I think after you, like City did it and then United did it and then you guys did it so like it, it's been a trend coming in but we have five minutes, and I think this is a very interesting conversation to have right now with, especially um, FFP being under the question. You look at where a Manchester United is, for example, right now, and they have had so many misses over the years, right, in transfer window, and it's very clear that they don't use data analytics. It's, yeah. And because of FFP more so, and the TV rights deals that have come into England. Back in the day, United could go in and just financially overpower this uh, Crystal Palace and be like, yo, we want Juan Misaka. We'll give you $25 million. You need that $25 million to run your club. So now, the money they need, like at the very least, that they're like, oh, maybe this is the least that can help us, is fifty around $50 million for every single team that's in the Premier League. And these deals have made sure that these clubs like a Leicester City, like a Wolves, like a Sheffield United, they can build a system and get the right players in the, at the right time. They can be up there 
Like, why can't teams like United and fucking Arsenal find a player like Ndidi and Kante and Mares when they are not go- gone to Leicester yet? Because they would rather take the small step first, right? That's yeah, always been yeah, the case. Yeah. That's definitely and some. When you realize that this is where we want to be, you kind of follow the fucking Dortmund model out there in Germany. You just bring that over and be like, hey, we'll scout the best young players. We'll try to get them when they're young, get the best out of them for three, four years and then sell them on a huge profit. And if these teams like a Wolves, they want 150 for Harry Kane. Bro, Raul Lemonet should be close to 100 yeah, million yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, so Adama Traore, I think there's going to be interest there for the summer. Where what like, And he should be costing close to that. So if And they sell these players for that much money, have a good youth academy. So again, goes back to when United's and Arsenal's and Chelsea's are not doing their homework properly. This is what happens when players just slip through the cracks. And, you know, Liverpool knows the best about that because Mo Salah. Keep, keep getting it in while you can. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, I thought, no, I, I I thought slipped. I thought this was through. a Gerard. I, was like, he, I thought he, it was a Gerard joke. It, it, yeah, it was a... He slipped through the cracks. No, I think the... For one, I actually didn't even realize I have a good job, Sabun. <laughs> Look at me. Subliminal shots. Um, the, the model of the game is changing. And, like... I always hate to be the dude who's like analytics, but like you like that's what builds a club. You have to be able to like you have to be able to look a little bit deeper than just a than just surface talent and find what honestly it starts with the manager. Your manager puts a system in place, hey, I know what I can do with this, sends out his data data analytics I team. Disagree. I, I, I would, very much disagree. I that. would think that's how I would that's how I, I think would it's do it. top it's way it goes from top to bottom in that situation. Someone someone above with the money finds the manager they want who plays the brand of football that they want for their club to be known as. That manager puts his system in place, sends out the guys to find the players who bring that in. I and then think, you build no, with it. I, I think I think, I think there's a huge step in between the owner who has money and the getting the right manager legitimately i may be missing a step tell me if i am so i i mean i think it starts at like the director of football level so i I think it starts at at that level and you say i'm gonna find i i find my analytics team to because you want your team to be kind of independent of the manager right because if something has happened you want you want it almost to be an interchangeable piece i think I, I think more than just that, like, it's kind of what Chelsea used to do initially with, like, the way they used to run through managers. The reason they could do that, they had a blueprint in there that well, I forgot the name of their director of football from sporting director uh, from back in the day. But they were like, this is how we're going to play. This is who we're going to sign. And that's why, like, a lot of the times managers get pissed off. And I think the way Liverpool runs with your boy Edwards, and I've, I'm completely blanking on the name of the analytics dude at Liverpool because... Funnily enough, fucking, if it wasn't for Spurs firing that entire analytics department who just moved on to Liverpool. Liverpool, yep. Like, it could have been a very different story for who goes into Liverpool to do this shit. So, and I think they have done a very phenomenal job. They had one of the best analytics teams, like, they they were slept on and then got the shaft. I I, I don't think they were slept on. I think Spurs choked it away just like they normally do because... Slept on by the ownership, I would say. Because when I look at that, you look at Liverpool and they were going in this direction of Moneyball. Like, FSG, that's what they do. You know, like, so... <laughs> and, and, the, and the only problem with being, F, like, having owners like FSG and, like, at the end of the day, they're from Boston. They're fucking heartless. They would sell anybody in a heartbeat. Moogie. So, you know, it's one of those things. And that, that's the reason I 
said i primarily said i disagree about the manager part because it comes from a system that like has has to exist independent of the manager and you have to find find the right kind of manager who is fitting your system i agree with that and i think that it goes kind of hand in hand at that point where it's like hey if we have we want to play like a high scoring output uh, team and they, they that's the way we're designing Don't our find team a manager they'll have would... to find a manager who's an outscoring guy instead of like a Mourinho, for example mm. but if you have defensive players like say for example atletico does then if you go get Jurgen Klopp, like you'll have to literally change everything inside out to get him a team. Well, so, I mean, I think that was part of the pitch for Jurgen Klopp yeah. is I, I think they went to Jurgen and said... They I'm showed not- him a, a video, like a result of a game that they had lost, like 4-1 or something at Dortmund. And they said, analytically, you guys should have won that game. Yeah, but And we want you to amount. recreate yeah. that at Liverpool because we are okay with like the results for now. But we know if you keep doing this consistently, we'll get the results. Yep. And I read that article in, I think, 2017. Yep. And look at where we are now. So I think that's why, I'm, that's why I made the argument I did. <laughs> no, but again, like, I think Brandon Rogers like also got the results, to be honest. That's with true. You. That's true. But, that, I mean, that, that was the analytics guy saying that, hey, this is, a, this is a guy who has a system we can believe in. We can find the guys that fit this. Like, let's get him in and give him what he needs. Yeah, I'm, we may be just, we may be saying very similar things. Just yeah, no, I was gonna say I, I super enjoy this discussion because I, I, think, I, I like for, the difference in building a football club from everybody. So I, I think for you, you see the manager, and like that's what, and especially as a Liverpool fan, I think it's hard to take any credit away from uh, Jurgen Klopp. Mm. I think for us, when we look at it, because we see our clubs in the state that we do. I think we can see what the what the first steps of improvement would be, and it would be like get a good data analytics team, get a good scouting system going again, and yeah. that's how you build the club again. Yeah, as compared to just like hey, let's go get the right manager. And I think it's going to be a very interesting summer for United and Arsenal and all the clubs in that regard as well to how they restructure their teams. And I think as as a computer science PhD student, it's very amazing to see like data analytics taking such a huge step into football and who knows maybe one day i'll be uh, working for liverpool and destroying that club hashtag hire sapoon except for liverpool <laughs> hey if you want to beat liverpool hire me i will hashtag everton hire sapoon to work R- reverse reverse <laughs> wayne rooney hire the manchester united fan to go to everton R- hey. reverse wayne rooney hey they'll probably pay me more than emery they does, might so. they might even put more hair in your head who knows hey who knows i've already got enough hair though so <laughs> On that note, uh, we got some birthday shout-outs from William Webb first. Who you got? All right. First, we missed her birthday, but we're going to go with her. Sarah Pedersen, contributor to the Football Academy. Yes, a friend of the show. We don't have guests. We don't have guests. We, we have, have friends. friends of the pod. A friend of the pod. Her birthday was earlier last week. Happy birthday, love. We love you. We're going to go with the birthday today. My niece, Kiaja. Have a good birthday. Love you. Enjoy seeing you in Cleveland. We'll hang out here soon. There's one more birthday coming up tomorrow, and that motherfucker is in the room next to me. <laughs> Producer Justin, about to have a birthday, giving the homeboy a shout-out. Uh, thank him. We thank him for everything he does. We hope he has a great birthday. And uh, we love you, man. And uh, we're going we're gonna to open some sort of drink to celebrate his birthday at some point. So, yeah. Wish everyone a happy birthday. 
love all y'all. Y'all important. Glad y'all were born nine months before March. What month is that? Like August? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Summertime babies. Or y'all got made in the summer. Oh, I was talking about my sister. Uh, let's end the podcast. That's weird. <laughs> it on, got weird. <laughs> on that note, make sure to subscribe to us on Twitter at the Footy Academy, and to follow Braden, go to Braden Matters at Braden Matters. To follow Will, go to at TFA Rolls with an follow- S. I'll try a Z. It might be some better content in there. Um, <laughs> For me, it's TFA Spoon, Spoon with a name between. And on that note, have a very good week. Three points for Watford, one loss for Liverpool. Forever you may live. Troy Dini, I love you. Fuck Aida. <laughs>